0: Thanks for listening to the Full Scope Podcast, hosted by Landon Leach and Caleb Stafford. We're committed to pursuing all things Jesus, outdoors, hard work, and freedom in the fullness of who we were created to be. You'll hear from us, our friends, and people we meet along the way about the things we love, the missions we are pursuing, and our hearts for the things of God. Thanks again for listening to the show. Now let's get to this week's episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 12. I'm your host, Caleb Stafford, and this week, my partner is absent. He is with our buddy, Ben, and they're out traveling in Wyoming, Montana, Colorado. They're seeing the West because Ben just got into med school, and he leaves shortly for that to get started. So he decided to have one last hoorah, and Landon got to join him on that take some time and see some things, so you won't be hearing from Landon today, you'll just be hearing from me, so this is definitely something new, uh, doing this by myself, so thank you guys for tuning in and listening, and uh, we took a a week off last week, we didn't record an episode, but me and Landon met and kind of just planned out the next little quarter here the next 10 episodes or so of some specific topics we think we ought to hit and some things that we just got a better idea of what direction we want to take this podcast and give it some more structure and some shape. So that's some good stuff. There's a lot of cool things that we talk about ahead. So keep tuning in and supporting us. We really appreciate it. Um, but very exciting subjects to come. So stay tuned, be aware, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, Our prayer is that we really hope that through some of the stuff that is put on our hearts and what we talk about, we really hope that it encourages y'all, challenges y'all, and pushes y'all towards Jesus more than anything. Um, We hope to better your life and your relationship with the Lord. and Man, that is definitely the bottom line, so that's kinda it on the intro, but man, life lately I mean it's been two weeks since we got on here uh work's been pretty pretty wide open we've the rain's kind of chilled out a little bit, and we're actually getting some drier hotter weather, so that means. We get to do a lot more stuff of what we want to do as far as moving dirt and that kind of stuff. So that's been exciting. Um, We did some burning out at the farm from all the stuff we cleared this winter. And we did a ditch job for a farmer to help him with some drainage issues he was having from one of his ponds. We did that yesterday. That took like freaking 11 hours on a Saturday. Think we work from like 6.30 to 6. So, we he's putting in the work on Saturday. So, today, I went to church, and we'll talk. I feel like I should talk about some of the subjects a little bit that they've hammered at church the past couple weeks because, dude, they've been spitting some fire. So, I'd like to share some of that here in a minute. But, this is what else been going on this is week three of running for me every weekday morning uh doing three miles from the house which is i'm telling you i'm disciplined right now in my life is something that i'm chasing and it it definitely helps and let me tell you it ain't freaking easy but Week three of that is over with. We're moving on to week four. And I'm telling you, my life is... It asks a lot of you when you decide to cut out that time in the morning to do that, along with spending time with the Lord and going to work and go to the gym after work and then trying to squeeze in whatever else I'm trying to at the moment. It's uh, shooting my bow, that kind of things, But it's it's definitely worth it i feel very challenged by my point of life right now and it's it's fun bottom line it's just stuff you didn't think you can squeeze in it it can be done like i mean it's stretching me mentally physically more than i probably have ever been in my life but i'm telling you i'm already seeing results as far as where my mind is and My physical capabilities and just all the benefits that discipline brings in your life. We'll probably do an episode on discipline in the future, I'm sure, because, Lord, that's such a loaded word that has multiple things that you can pull from it and apply to your life. And it it can be in different avenues, too. So that's kind of the snippet on me. I can't think of anything else major to add. But as I sit here and I'm I was trying to figure out I knew that Landon was gonna be gone for a long time coming and it's like, you know what, we planned out an episode or two and he was like, Well, if you wanna record this week or we can't record this week because you'll be gone and I was like, Well, why not hop on here and try to do something? organic solo. It's good practice, and we'll see what comes out. So definitely feel like I just need to share some of the things that have been taught about at church, and it's been very empowering for me and shifted some of the ways my mind thinks and just awakened me. But also, I want to talk a little bit more about David. I know we talked about him in I think the last episode or the episode before, I can't remember. But definitely want to dive into more details on what the Lord's been showing me and His Word through that. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about about church was, dude, this week we had a guest speaker, and he talked about 1 Kings eight chapters 18 and chapters 19, both of them. And, dude, I'm telling you, I had heard about Elijah before and if you don't know who Elijah is, you can go read these chapters and some of them before him, but Elijah was a a prophet for Israel and he he was the last one at the time that all Jezebel was a woman that had killed a lot of other prophets and he was the one that was left. Um I could butcher that. I don't know all the details about it. But needless to say, he is a prophet. He's a man of God, the guy that hears from the Lord for the whole nation of Israel. Well, this other, King Ahab and Jezebel weren't necessarily honoring the Lord and had these false, a false prophet named Baal. And they had a bunch of followers for it and they decided to have a competition this is in chapter 18. And uh, they said, Well, if your God's this great, then pretty pretty much just a competition, bottom line. And what the competition was, was two altars. And whichever God decided, they were in a drought, I think, and whatever God decided to light the fire, they would say that's the true God. Well, Elijah was so confident in the lord god that he was like oh yeah you guys go first uh start your offering uh do all you can do i mean he knew from the beginning that whatever they tried it wouldn't work well clearly god of bailed didn't show up and light their offering well then he pretty much tells them like all right well y'all can come over here and look at my offering, and he sets up an altar with 12 stones that represent the 12 tribes of of Israel, and he even throws water on it, or lets them throw water on it, and douses this baby. It's soaking wet. There is no possible way that fire should even light this thing. Well, because of his relationship with God, and who he knew God to be, he knew God would light it. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Well, he decided to kill all the other, other prophets for the God of Baal. And the point of this story that the pastor was making, not that, because yes, in that, that is such an incredible, I mean, miracle that You get to witness by reading this. But what goes on to happen in the next chapter is what this guy really hammered on, was chapter 19. After Elijah had saw God do this incredible miracle and deliver him and all of that, as soon as Jezebel heard word of this, she was like, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah took off the freaking hills he was like dude i'm out of here and he pretty he left his servant there he just started wandering in the wilderness and he was pretty much just giving up on his calling on his life even after what he had already seen god do and needless to say while he's in the desert and fleeing from the Lord and the calling of his life, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him and provided him food in the desert. And even further, after a couple weeks, I think it was 40 days, uh, he makes it to this cave, which is on the same mountain where God and Moses was. And pretty much god shows him an earthquake fire from heaven uh i can't remember what the other one if that's it but sorry i'm i'm not the best at this i'm just giving the quickest synopsis in Caleb style and well those those signs and wonders didn't do it for him he knew he had seen those things before but What actually got his attention and called him back was he could hear a very small whisper, which was the voice of the Lord. And that's what actually got him to turn his life back around that convinced him that, oh yeah, it just kind of reminded him of he needed the presence of God so much more and it's stuff that we've talked about on here before. The presence of God is actually the single most powerful thing that you can ever experience. There's nothing like it. You are actually made for it. So, yeah, you can see miracles. You can see all these things. But even Elijah, a prophet of the Lord, had seen God do all these other miracles. Yet, what it took to really convince him after he had fled from the Lord was just his voice. And that was something. That was very challenging to me this morning just because of the mere fact of, am I in a position in my life where I'm actually listening for the Lord? Would I be able to hear that silent whisper or quiet whisper in an earthquake, in the the wonders and the chaos of this world, do I still hear God's voice or... I know I hear him sometimes, but is there more that I'm missing out on? And that really that really challenged me, needless to say. So it was a very, very cool message on the presence this morning. In a different way, I'd heard that story before, but what he pulled from it was very cool. And the week before was Pentecost, so last week. And Pentecost penta 5, 50 days after Jesus resurrected that's when the Holy Spirit came down. And what they just talked about last week of what kind of power the Holy Spirit actually holds in your life. And how much... Honestly, like, modern modern american church kind of dims down you're either it's like you're standing on two sides of a fence on this subject it's like you got the charismatics who are everything holy spirit filled and then you got the other where i don't know necessarily they just they're very heavy on the word and that kind of stuff but the the spirit i, I don't know about that the spirit's weird like speaking in tongues and all kinds of stuff, they kind of act like that kind of aspect of the Lord and or the Holy Spirit is dead per se or not necessarily alive as it was in the first church. It's not applicable right now. It's, it's just weird. It makes them uncomfortable. Well, I mean, when you actually think about it, nowhere in Scripture does it ever say that those things cease to exist. Those things are still very much alive. It's weird. Okay. So, a point that was made was the whole, yeah, the Holy Spirit might be weird, but that's because it's also supernatural. It's not natural, it's above and beyond what we can comprehend. So, yes, it's not going to be super logical and you can put it in this little box. So, yes, the supernatural is going to be weird. But also, you got to remember when you experience stuff like that, People themselves are freaking weird. And if you don't think you're weird, good luck to you. Because, I mean, like, every single one of us is weird in our own way. I mean, I'm weird as crap. So take that with a grain of salt and remember that when you experience things in the Lord, you're at some church event or you're standing next to somebody and they're blabbering and stuff you don't understand or they have an opinion about what God told them or all this stuff. Just keep an open mind because, I mean, you have no idea what God can do. And supernatural don't look natural. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. So that was was kind of like the avenue that was talked about. But what I really want to hone on in is when he brought up the Scripture and talked about in Ephesians 6, I'm going to turn there real quick, actually, so I can read this. Uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, talks about putting on the armor of God. So, let me read this, and then I'm going to share some stuff about it. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth being watchful to this end with all preference and supplication for all the saints. So with all that being said, that's a metaphor, but it has real spiritual application to your life. Yes, you're not physically putting on a freaking helmet every day, but in your you gotta guard your mind and all of that it's figurative language, but at the same time it has such a real spiritual effect. And what those describes a lot of people say, Oh, there's six things that you need to do that you need to put on for the armor of God. Well, if you actually read it and break it down, there's seven things that are used and or seven pieces, I'll say and that's what he talked about was one of these pieces gets overlooked a lot and that's the holy spirit it's one of the most powerful ones if not the most powerful because it's god so five of these pieces talking about for your feet for your head for your belt your shield and your breastplate all of those are very defensive so wearing those they're not very they're not weapons they're not attack pieces they're to fend off and protect you and i thought that was very interesting because i had never heard anybody break those down in okay here's your weapons and then here's what you're wearing i feel like when I've heard this concept before, it's been a lot of defense. You've got to defend the faith. you got to defend your heart, your mind, all these things. Defend yourself from the enemy. That's what I've heard a lot. Well, the pastor talked about this and said, those five are actually defense pieces, meaning, they are to hold the ground that you've already taken in your life. The spiritual authority that you have and the ground that you have taken and progressed to, that is to guard against any regression, which I thought was super cool. But there's two of these pieces that are weapons. One being the Word of God, and the other is praying in the Spirit. and those two things actually provide you a way to progress to move forward and man i thought that was super awesome just because i had never looked at it that praying in the spirit is a weapon and yes that that can speak for itself so if the if you look at life from a defensive standpoint and you're always just trying to protect what you have and keep it safe, you're missing the whole point because you're not progressing. You're just trying to have a death grip on what you have and what you, you hold right now. Like that is, that's a mentality that actually is not biblical. You are supposed to expand and trust God with more and always progress. Um, parable of the talents anything with God is just never it's never stagnant it's always moving so I thought it was super cool that he put it into those simple terms that I had never heard before and that kind of sums up what I've been learning at church Um, praise God but I also today wanted to take time and talk about what God's been doing in me personally through uh, reading about David and what his life is. And let's see, let me flip there. Because I'm telling you, David and Goliath, that story has, I mean, it's a childhood Bible story that we hear and we kind of shake off of, like, yeah, we know, check, check, check. David, the improbable shepherd boy, killed Goliath, a soldier, a massive soldier with a freaking sling and a stone. And there's actually so many more pieces to this story that are extremely, extremely overlooked. So hold on, that's a flip there. Uh, Yeah. So where I want to pick up is... David's been anointed, but he's a shepherd boy. And the Philistines and the Israelites are squaring off for battle. And out comes Goliath, this massive man, who is taunting the armies of Israel and saying... Who is, who's whos going to stand out here against me and fight me? Uh, let's see. And pretty much in- defying God. Well, here it is. So, David, David's late to the party. The army's standing there, they're squaring off, and Goliath's been mouthing on and on, and All the Israelites are too scared to stand up and go fight. Well, Jesse, David's dad, unbeknownst to all this, he said, Well, well, he might have I don't know. Anyway, he says, all let's let's send a care package to your brother's outfit war and let's take some bread and send it. You can run it down there for me. Well, David being a shepherd boy, leaves his flock and takes his care package for his brothers. And when he gets there, he sees the chaos that is happening. And I mean, I you can only imagine what a battlefield looks like back then. And some, some crazy, giant, huge man's just over there still talking day and night about Who wants to fight me? If your God is, he says, who he is, then send someone down here and fight me. And David hears this and runs up and is like, through the crowd, trying to find his brothers, I'm sure, and stumbles up on some, finally finds his oldest brother and some people around him. And he's like, well, who is this guy? And what happens? What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine takes their, takes away the re- reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the limit God? And the people answered him in the manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. So... David's just curious and asking questions. Well, his brother catches wind of this and says, the scripture says, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of your heart, for you have come down here to see battle. (laughs) So David's just curious on the scene and his brother automatically gets defensive. Just like, "Oh, my my little brother's here. Uh why are you so ambitious?" He starts throwing pretty much he just starts shooting David down and I mean pretty much discouraging David and he's pretty much giving identity to David in a negative way. He's already throwing preconceived notions at David. He's saying, David, be quiet. You have nothing to say here. You should be back with those sheep. And what are you going to do about it? I, I know who you are. But, does he really? Because... Only God knows his heart, his true heart of heart. And David is described as a man after God's own heart. So, excuse me. What I found really interesting about this and what really hit me is David David was living a life in these field with these sheep prior to this that nobody knew about only him and God. There is no defining where his older brother's trying to describe, because I'm sure his older brother at one point was the sheep herder. I mean, that's just probably how tradition went. But then they had another brother, so then he didn't have to do that anymore. So his brother is taking his experiences and putting it on David and saying, well, I know what you've been through. I know who you are, your experiences, all this stuff. And in reality, his brother didn't have a freaking clue who he was. Trying to peg him with all these different labels and put him in this box of, oh, you've always been this way, so uh, I know you, and that's wrong, and you're wrong for being that way type of mindset is the way I take it. And... Man, I just really think that that's very common and popular in our lives today. You might have an idea, or you might be pursuing something new, and people are so easy to be to shoot it down. Just like, no, gosh, why would you do that? You've always been fill in the blank. You've always done stuff like this. I know you. I saw him do this this one time, and. This was the result, blah blah blah. People always have the answers to things that most likely they actually don't have a clue about because they don't know you or your heart true things that I cannot see, only God can see it, and I just think this as this part of the story is very telling of David was had so much in him that he had to release, but he hadn't had the opportunity yet. And, I mean, he's been anointed at this point, so he knows he's going to be king. The prophets already came and anointed him, but he still was doing a shepherd's life. I mean, still doing the same old, same old. He has the anointing of a king, but he's living like a shepherd. That'll—that's something within itself. But if you want to talk about, if you want to talk about sheep, David was your dude. I mean, he probably—I mean, you eat, sleep, and breathe shepherding. I reckon, and but he was anointed to do things for the kingdom, the whole kingdom of Israel but it wasn't public knowledge. Nobody knows about this. It's him. He's the only one that knows. And the prophet, and his dad, I reckon, and his brothers. But that's it. It's not It's not announced on Instagram or anything that David's been anointed, and he's going to be the next king. So, <clears throat> I really... I'm just blown away at David's heart in his life of what he did when nobody was watching. That's what spoke to me the most. Of He was a steward. He's still doing the thing that his father wants him to do, yet he knows at some given point he's going to be king. And fast forward a little bit, David, because David's saying these things, he's getting backlash from all these freaking people. I just wanted to say that people might be running their mouths and shooting you down, but take what I'm about to say next from the story and build on it, because people don't know you as good as you know you or as as good as God knows you. There's only... That's supernatural. That's you, that's not external. People can't see that. They can only see glimpses. They don't get to see the full picture. So after David's been asking around, Saul catches wind, Saul the king hears that David's been asking, and he's like, this David guy's talking about taking on Goliath. Uh, bring him here to me. I want to hear from him. And Saul said to David, oh, well, hold on. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So I mean he's putting it out there saying like, dude, I I'm, I'm going to do this. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. So here's another situation where David is exactly where he needs to be. Y'all have probably heard this story before, where David goes and kills Goliath. If David doesn't show up, who's gonna do it? Who's gonna take down Goliath? So therefore, David showed up where he was designed to be, and he knows it. Like, he knows, I'm gonna take this guy down, this giant, figuratively speaking, in your life. I have to face this. I'm the one who's going up against this. But people, I was made for this. People only see glimpses, like I said, and they easily want to shoot it down. So you have to take within yourself and truly just believe in you and God and know at the end of the day, regardless of what people say, that I am here for this and this alone and I know I'm supposed to be here. It might not look like you're supposed to. It might not be a warm welcome. It might not be progressing like you think you are. Or it should be, anyway. So, you have to you have to keep believing even when the circumstances look like it ain't. It's not going anywhere. Even the highest of high, the king, Saul, is saying, yeah, dude, this ain't happening. Like, you flat out just can't do this. And, oh, I love David's answer here. Me and Landon brought this up, and I'm just going to go in on this. Uh, I think we brought it up last week. But David said to Saul, your servant, referring to himself, used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, and I struck it, and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing seeing he has defied the armies of the living God, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear He will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. Pretty easy convincing. I mean, I feel like that is... We easily hear about (laughs) David killed Goliath. But I mean, in these, let's see, 34 through 37, three verses... The man just talked about, with his bare hands, and I guess his shepherd's staff, killed not only a lion, but a bear. When on earth have you heard about that in today's culture? I mean, that is... That's insane! And it's just like this little detail that we overlook all the time. But, it's put in there because that is something that David was doing way before he was facing this giant, in front of everybody, even though everybody wants to tell him, ah, you're just a shepherd boy. Ah, what do you know? Ah, you can't do this. You're too young. You ain't. Whatever. Yet, he himself knows, I've been out there. I've seen God physically save me saved my life twice and not only just saved my life from despair but with authority i took control of the situation because of god and he gave me strength to overpower two of these huge animals by himself for a sheep like dude that's insane so take that in your life and say all right i mean when i read that i can't help but be amazed And then I want to reflect on my life and say, okay, what have I seen God do in my past that, number one, was significant that I necessarily don't remember at the moment? Because we're always going through things. And it's easy, it's so freaking easy to be consumed in the moment and the overwhelmingness of a giant, and what it feels like in that moment, you just feel like you're helpless. It's just like, oh, it's so consuming. Oh my gosh, how am I going to get past this? I have no idea. I've never faced anything like this before. But if you take a moment and you pause and you reflect on your life and you say, God, prayer obviously is the big thing. So asking God through prayer, just like, God, will you remind me of the times before that I didn't think I was going to make it through. I didn't think I was going to see the situation turn out in a positive way or whatever. And yet God showed up. And here you are down the road and you're so far past it, you don't even remember it. That's what I think about. My like, God, what have I. There's been so many situations that I've. They're in the rearview mirror now for me. And I just want to reflect. And truly be reminded of what all God's brought me through is what this passage has been hitting in my heart. And you have got... You just gotta get in a place where the Lord... You and your relationship with the Lord has to be so special and organically built to where you will rely on him without a shadow of a doubt. Shadow of a doubt. Like, that is exactly what David is leaning on, is his previous experience with the Lord. Because of where he's been with God up until this point, with his experience of life, of these two beasts trying to steal his livelihood, number one, but also, I mean, take care, I mean, to to kill his livelihood. So, God actually intervenes, gives David strength to overpower these beasts, and now, that within himself, dude, if I killed a lion with my bare hands, dude, I'm good, I'm chilling. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm resting on that for the rest of my life. Like, yep, yeah, this one time. I could write a book on that. It'd be done. But not only, David still kept doing what David did. Now a different beast shows up. Now a Goliath shows up. Life still goes on after these different mountaintops where you don't think that you'd make it to the top. You get there, and it's like, oh, this is awesome then you look and you realize it's the bottom of the next one so dude <sighs> i just really felt weight on sharing this with y'all of i don't care what you're what you're going through like my hope is sorry i i did not mean to say it like that i do care what you're going through like i just mean it might be overwhelming. It might feel like a lot. It might. Be, I have no idea what you're going through, is what I meant to say. But I. one thing I do know is your walk with God actually is what's going to propel you. What you're doing in the dark with God in your mornings, in your evenings, at work, throughout your day, praying, reading His Word, doing all these practices, what are you building your relationship with God with so that when these problems and giants arise you can lean on experiences with the Lord and just say Shh, I know God I know God like this you might not ever have seen God do it like this for you but he's done it for me and you can it gives you ground to stand on and perspective to see things that other people might not see and that ties back into people people's opinions probably suck i mean 90 percent of the people out there are not going to tell you and encourage you in a good way if something's out there crazy and it doesn't sound logical if it's from the lord you have to trust it and know that regardless of what these other opinions are you don't need them it might even upset them i mean look david's brother's upset These other dudes don't want to give him a straight-up answer. They don't know. Yet, I mean, Saul's discouraging him. All these things that seem impossible, David knows when nobody else does that my God's big enough to do this. And hell or high water, I'm going to go for it because I'm going to die trying. If God says who he says he is, he's going to deliver me is what he says. He says, I've seen him deliver me from the lion, from the bear. He's going to certainly deliver me from this Philistine. And I just wanted to encourage somebody today that you got to push through sometimes in life. And there's scenarios where, I mean, it seems absolutely freaking hopeless. I mean, I've been there before, and I know it happens too often in this broken world, that we don't, we're so easy to lose hope and start this downhill spiral of complaining and worrying and fear and just stacking all these negatives on a situation that if you actually fully believed God to be the fullest of who he says he is, that circumstance might actually change a lot faster than You think it would. And maybe that's not God's will, but at least pray that your perspective on it changes. You might start looking at this scenario of, oh, well, this Philistine, he's huge, and I just don't match up. I'm 5'10", 160. It just ain't looking good for me. But if you realize how big God is, it'll actually empower you to take that situation down and i just didn't want to overlook the fact that david was out here fighting battles with god with god in the shepherd fields his occupation his work where nobody else knew that's what david's been through when he showed up to the battle everybody thought he was just a kid like he wasn't equipped for something like this. Heck, Saul try later just after that, Saul tries to give him his armor. He's like, "Nah. I don't need that armor. That armor don't fit me." He tries it on. Whatever worked for Saul ain't going to work for David. It's he's a different man, and all of us are different. So like we've talked about, your walk with God is personal and keep note of what God's done in your life i that's something I have to do so much better at that to remember the things that God has brought me through and will continue to carry me through, regardless of what comes. He's still God, and man that's about that's about all I got today that that stuff is absolutely constantly reminding me and pushing me of the things that people don't see might actually add up to be more important in front of them down the road than it might. And you might not ever see fruition of it in your life, but you're building it for the kingdom of heaven. One day you'll inherit it. But delayed gratification, all these fancy little cliche sayings for that—is. Bottom line, you got to do life with God even when nobody's watching. And then after God delivers you from these things, you've got to take note and remember, and build on that relationship with Him. And I mean, I'm talking to myself, faux show, sure, because I this applies to me daily at this point. Of I have to remember who God is and what He's brought me from, and. It's something that I'm going to have to continue to rely on. So, man, I pray that the Lord really speaks to y'all through that and some of the things that I saw in that story. And, man, there's a lot of exciting things coming up. So, a lot of cool episodes and subjects that'll be popping on here. I'm sure we'll talk about Landon's fun Western experience. Maybe him and Ben ain't killed each other yet. So a lot of exciting things to come. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.